2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye with me, regular guest on the show, Justin Thomas of Nets Republic. Justin, arguably the most disappointing loss of the season 113, 107. The Nets fall to the Heat at home with the return of Kevin Durant. How are we doing?
1: Not good. Thinking about anything at all. Uh, <sighs> this is just gross. At, at, at this point, you might as well just prepare yourself for this play in. Uh, and just see what happens when when, when Kyrie and, and Ben come back. Because from what I saw tonight, any hope of you thinking this team is going to push themselves up past the sixth seed, you, you, you're you just wishful thinking at that point. Because this is not a team that has the drive or the the heart to want to make a, a, a late-season surge.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is the Heat team that was missing. Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and Kyle Lowry. So, and they're coming on the second night of a back-to-back. Like, this is a game that should have been wrapped up. And what was it, a 15-point lead in the second quarter? And you're like, you're feeling good. You're like, all right, maybe they can turn this into a 20-point lead or they can blow it up in the third. Next thing you know, the Heat dominate them in the second half. Eric Spolstra dominated Jacques Vaughn. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Justin, I guess, what's the most disappointing aspect of this game?
1: I mean, the most disappointing aspect has to be the coaching, especially in that second half Um Jock Vaughn, I don't know if you could have coached a a worse game yep. or a worse half of basketball than what Jock Vaughn did. I mean, everything that the Nets did right and all the all the buttons he pushed correctly in that first half, I mean, he pushed all the wrong ones in that second in that second half. The just him sticking with LaMarcus Aldridge for as long as he did and just watching possession after possession, the Heat run the exact same thing. Yep. With Tyler Harrell getting downhill and just dropping it off to either Bam or someone else. And nothing, no adjustment, no, 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 anything, no substitutions. It was confusing. And then even when he subs out Lamarcus in that fourth quarter for Drummond, who did give some good minutes in that first half, Drummond gets played off the court in like two minutes and he goes right back to Lamarcus. I mean, yep. I, I, I don't know what he was thinking. I hope they, they press him about it in the uh, post game, you know, press conference. But that, that was, that, that's really what stuck out to me. Like, just how poorly coached this game was from Jacques Vaughn.
2: Yeah. I think from more, more than one perspective too. And like, I'm not usually one to jump on the coaches. I think a lot of the time it's players lose the game, but tonight it was just the lack of adjustments. And like you mentioned, not putting players in a position to succeed. Like, Credit the Heat. Credit Eric Spolstra. They ran the zone. That essentially stumped the Nets for the entire second half. They just look confused in terms of what they needed to do. And as a coach, you want to kind of direct your guys and get them in a good position. And I understand the thought from Jacques Vaughn of, like, let's play LaMarcus and let's get some extra shooting. Maybe that'll help against the zone. But it wasn't working. He wasn't scoring. He wasn't having an impact offensively. And like you said, defensively, run a dribble handoff with any player in the Heat. And they're probably going to end up getting a good look against LaMarcus Aldridge, especially during one stint. It was James Johnson and LaMarcus Aldridge out there. That was easy money. That was barbecue chicken. That was just a bucket like and it's just crazy. And I love LaMarcus and what he can do. But there's limitations to his game. And this was a night where you roll with Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton played well in the first half. He was energized, played with his motor. Let him get some reps on Bam. Or even if you're going to put KD on Bam, which you ended up doing the fourth quarter, play Clax. Clax is going to help you defensively, especially when you're playing a, a whole bunch of below-average guard defenders against guys that are a little oversized. Play the energetic, defensive-minded player.
1: They were trying to hide LaMarcus Aldridge on Caleb Martin. Caleb <laughs> Martin, the guy that came into the game on, like, one-and-a-half Achilles. And Caleb Martin was still getting whatever he yep. wanted. I it, it was it, It's just mind-boggling. Like you said, the— <sighs> Here's the thing, right? The Heat's biggest guys that they played this game were Bam Adebayo, who's not really a center. He's more of a power forward type. And uh, Dwayne Dedman, also another more so power forward type than center. Why would you match up then with LaMarcus Aldridge, right? Your slowest big. Your slowest big. When you have uh, Nick Claxton, who played well in the first half, right? Your best switch guy outside of Kevin Durant can literally guard every, especially everybody, because I don't think there's a guy that played tonight on the heat that Nick Claxton couldn't clamp up. It's not like uh, Butler was out there. It's not like Lowry was out there. Their best ball handler is Tyler Harrow. Right. So, I, and then.
2: And I feel good Blake? with
1: Claxton against those guys, even the
2: ones that are out yeah. tonight. I feel good with Claxton almost against anybody. Like he's that good of a player.
1: And then where's Blake? You tell me that Blake Griffin, the guy that, that like this was the perfect matchup for him. You're telling me he can't get off the bench and see any type of game action. Yeah. I mean, this is like I, there's so many head scratching decisions made in this game that you know what the Nets truly did deserve to lose the way yeah. they went about the second half.
2: And I mean, it. I like hate to say this, like I'm not smarter than an NBA head coach or anything like that, but I know how the Heat play. All of us know how the Heat play. They played the same way for multiple seasons. They run a million dribble handoffs, especially with Bam. That was automatically going to be a problem with LaMarcus Aldridge. That's probably going to be a a problem with Andre Drummond. You have Nicholas Claxton. You have the opportunity to literally switch on everything. And, yeah, maybe Bam has a good game. But instead of that, instead of focusing on eliminating one aspect of them, they just allowed the Heat to have success in almost every area. You know, the only player who didn't play well was Duncan Robinson and Gabe Vincent. You know, uh, Max Struess had 21 points. Caleb Martin had 22. Tyler Hero had 27. Bam had 30. And they were shorthanded too, like they didn't have a lot of guys to go to and they still were able to get what they wanted. And I think a good head coach tries to force the other team to do something differently. And obviously it's not a playoff series or anything like that. But this is a known thing, a team what they played about two weeks ago. On that Saturday with Kyrie and they don't have an option for this. Like, I just don't understand how there was not at one point in this game. They're like, hmm, maybe we should switch everything because switching eliminates the advantage you create from a dribble handoff or a pick and roll. What it does is, yeah, maybe you can get the mismatch with Bam down low on a guard and send the double. Yeah, I'd rather see that happen or I'd rather see Bam get 40. Than have all these other random guys just pop off. Like got no offense to them. They're NBA role players and they all just had career nights against the Nets. And that's on the Nets.
1: It is. No, it, it definitely is. And we we talk about this all the time on the pod. Like defense is all about effort and yep. and, and, and just heart. And how many times in this game were guys beat backdoor? I mean, yep. I, and I I kind of give KD a little bit of slack just because he's been out for six weeks. You know, maybe the the, the, the juice, like, just the uh, the attentiveness just isn't there. Uh, but, I mean, come on. Ha- like, they, it, it just felt too easy. Yep. It just felt too easy. And like you said, like, these role-player guys having career nights, and there's no disrespect to them, They and they play important roles. If you watch the Heat all season, you know just how important guys like Kayla Martin are and guys like Max Strus. But, like, Strus' shot, I think it was all his field goal attempts were from three. And yep. I think he, what, hit seven of them or something like that? He's
2: six of 12, 50%. Six,
1: six of 12 so it's early on. You can tell that, all right, this guy's only going to be shooting three. He's basically going to be there. Duncan Robinson tonight. Run him off the line. Why yep. you keep allowing him to shoot is beyond me?
2: Yeah, and it was just it was crazy. And then also it just felt like two is like, all right, the Nets know they need this game. They need to get, get wins for the standings. And there wasn't just there's was just a lack of urgency, especially entering the fourth quarter. You thought maybe at the beginning of the fourth, they'd turn it up they turn it up probably at, like, the 4.30 mark after Bruce hits that three, and all of a sudden it's, like, a nine-point game. But, like, some of it's on the players, too. There's just no juice. There's, like, you guys have to win games. Like, it's, you're not going to magically end up in a good spot in the seating unless you're just happy in the playing game. But at this point, you wouldn't be super surprised if they drop all the way to ninth and have to win two games rather than one.
1: And that's the and it's the worst-case scenario because, God forbid, one of those games is Toronto. in Toronto. Toronto. Right. because now you don't yeah. have Kyrie. And, you know, granted, I feel comfortable. There's only maybe like two or three guys in the league that you feel totally comfortable with in the playoffs. Right. Like LeBron James, um, maybe Steph and then Kevin Durant. Right. Yeah. And so I wouldn't really feel that, you know, unconfident going into Toronto. But you don't want to have to do that. You don't want to have to be in that situation. I just don't like it was like night and day how engaged the team looked in the first half. That's how disengaged they looked in the second half. And then speaking of the fourth quarter, how Jock Vaughn didn't get Kevin Durant into the ball game before the six minute mark yep. is beyond. I just I just you can see the momentum literally being injected into the heat as the quarter goes on. And as the quarter goes on, it's like, all right, we only have to play seven more minutes, six more minutes, five more minutes with the lead and hold on. And there's Kevin Durant just chilling on the bench. Right? If there was no minutes restriction, which they said pregame, why is he not out on the floor?
2: Yeah, because not only was Katie your best offensive player. Saw him, you know, defend Bam, have some weak side rim protection. I think he had, you know, he finished with only one block, but it felt like he had more in this game. And even going back to, I want to say, late first, early second, Vaughn had a really questionable line about there. You know, I would say with Kyrie out, you know, your your top playmakers are probably Goran Drogic and – Well, obviously, Kevin Durant at the top. You have Goran Dragic, you have, you know, uh, Seth Curry and then Cam Thomas. You probably want to have two of those guys on the floor when Katie's out. He essentially went to a lineup that I think had Patty, Cam, James Johnson, I want to say LaMarcus and maybe Clax. And it was just like it allowed the heat to get back in the game. You know, the 14 point game went to the seven point game. The Nets were able to extend that back up. But it's like these small mistakes instead of riding with guys and having understanding of what you're trying to do. He just didn't have that. He just didn't have the feel for the game tonight. And like I said, I don't really like to blame coaches. And I think the players get plenty of blame in this game too. But it was just a really rough performance from Jock Vaughn on so many different levels. Like I said, from the adjustment perspective, not, you know, reacting to the zone. And then also just the rotations in the lineups, they were just not good. It was just it was apparent to even you know, casual fans probably tonight that Lamarcus Aldridge was barbecue chicken, and even Andre Drummond going out there was the same thing. Was probably going to happen. It's a tough situation when the team's running four shooters and then a great dribble handoff guy like Bam. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on you. You need to have some good defenders out there. You need to have mobility and athleticism. And the Nets rolled out way too many lineups that didn't have that.
1: Yeah, and then you talk about it's a game of runs, right? Like, right at the end of that first half, I think the net— Katie hits a three, a walk—he in, walks into a three, puts the Nets up, I think, 15 with about a yep. minute 30, 35 left. He going an 8-0 run to close the quarter. I think it, there was, like, a, a corner three-pointer with, like, two seconds left. Um, might have been from Caleb Martin, I don't know. But that brought the, that gave the Heat momentum going into the, the second half because you figure— Halfway through that first half, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a runaway game, right? It's going to be, yep. you know, they'll probably win the game by, you know, 12 to 16, 17. It'll be easy coasting. Katie probably won't even play that much in the fourth quarter, but they just let the Heat into the game. And it definitely helped, I would say, the Heat momentum that there was a ton of Heat fans at the Barclays. There's, I mean, the Heat fans probably travel the best. So, one, arguably, one of the best fan bases in uh, the NBA, but. As the, you could hear the chance, the let's go yeah. heat chance as the second half went on. And I'm just like, you some something's got to stop this. And yet the Nets did nothing to stop it.
2: Yeah, it was just it was a sad performance. There's really no other way to put it. Like a lot of guys just didn't show up. They just didn't have that extra level of urgency and effort. And some of it, like I
0: said, is a coaching, too. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: I guess talking about KD, unless there's any other complaints you have about coaching or adjustments or style of play from this game that you want to get into.
1: No, I'm just upset.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's how a lot of us feel. And I, I can't even be happy about KD being back, dropping 31, uh, finished with four assists, four rebounds, nine and nine from the free throw line, two of seven from three, 10 of 21 from the field. You know, there was a couple plays where maybe he looked a little rusty, but for the most part, he looked like himself.
1: Yeah, he did. I mean, his. I don't know how many times you can say typical KD game. Uh, nine points in that first quarter. He looked smooth. The mid-range was there. He was just dicing in and out, looking like a giraffe with a basketball. Um, a couple shots just didn't go down in that uh, fourth quarter. I I totally thought that three he took uh, was going in. I mean, it was it was halfway down.
2: It felt good. Like, just looking yes. at it,
1: just watching it, you're just like, oh, shit right and it just felt so poetic right all right first game back he's going to hit the, you know the potential game winning shot but i also thought he got a poor whistle in this game too yeah. uh he got a crazy bam gets a better whistle than kd i know there was, was a lot of lot more touch fouls for the heat than there were for kd um i thought the technical foul on him i believe in the second quarter was absolutely garbage like, i don't know how you i don't know how you as a ref let the opposing team get off an entire possession and then you call the t after the guy makes a three uh three-pointer so you essentially give him a four, a free four-point play um outside of that yeah the rotations uh on defense weren't the crispest we've seen from kd but that's to be expected uh but like i said I, I mean, I'm, I'm just nitpicking at that point overall typical kd game uh can't really blame him for much but it was interesting seeing how he was getting you know getting at some of his teammates uh, throughout the game. And you could see his frustration levels rising um, in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean – When you have Kevin Durant, you should be able to bust a zone pretty
2: easy, given he can hit a shot anywhere on the floor. And we've seen the Nets have success in the past where they just flash him to the elbow. For some reason tonight, that was a huge issue. You know, usually you have two guys at the top able to take on those two guard defenders, and then, you know, it's going to force somebody to kind of step up. And if two guys step up or someone steps up, someone should be able to make a backdoor cut. There was just no synergy in terms of that. And you could kind of see KD's frustration, even like a lot of the buckets he hit you know, he was hitting them over two guys. He was hitting them over three guys. He was hitting it with some contact, you know, he did get nine free throws, but it felt like this is a game where he easily could have shot 16 times because the heat did not play anybody tonight. That's capable of defending Kevin Durant, especially, you know, Caleb Martin, who is just kind of reminds me of almost like a mini PJ Tucker, where I get worried in the sense that like, maybe he's going to take KD out or injure the ankle or something like that. He's just kind of a reckless player. But like you said, you know, defensively probably could have been a little crisper. I think for me, just like a lot of the synergy and the chemistry was off in terms of the communication there. It's funny is because like in the first quarter, it felt spot on. There was one play I tweeted something out. The Nets executed like an off ball switch perfectly with like four guys. And then that just kind of went away the rest of the game. There just seemed to be a lot of confusion no matter what was happening. And it's like the guys were almost confused by the style of the Heat were playing when it's like, no, nah, this is how the heat typically play. And, you know, hopefully KD can build off of this and be even better moving forward. And I think Hopefully the other guys the newer additions can understand how to, you know, allow him to be in the best position to succeed. But overall, you know, really no complaints for him for a guy that missed 21 games, come in, drop 31 like it's no one's business is kind of crazy.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I I tend to like downplay the whole chemistry thing. I think sometimes when you just have great talent, it, it works itself out. But I would say one of the things that stuck out to me late in that fourth quarter Nets coming, you know, Nets trying to come back. Seth Curry has the ball on the wing and Katie's calling for the ball at the top. He's got, I think he's got Caleb Martin on him or something yep. like that. And he's just, he's literally just calling for the ball and Seth doesn't pass it to him initially. And I think Seth passes it to somebody else, pass it right back to Seth. Katie's still calling for the ball. And then he finally throws it up to him. I think that's where you see like that chemistry of like Seth not really trusting um, or just doesn't know that, oh, I can just throw the ball up to yep. Katie and he's going to get it regardless um He was almost so like those, scared to make the pass. It felt like yes, yeah. It he felt timid. It was like all right. I don't want to make a mistake because we're in such a you know a tight you know spot. But look, it's Kevin Durant. You know you just gotta trust your superstar at that point.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think also I was hoping maybe their synergy would be a little better. Also, kind of an off night for Seth Curry. Two of seven from three. You know and. Probably had more open looks tonight than he has his entire tenure as a net. Like, it's just – there was just shots that you felt like were going down for him. Uh, I guess looking at his full stat line, 8 points, 3 of 10 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, uh, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 turnover. I think I would have liked to see him run a little bit more like pick-and-roll action, especially like a secondary thing when they're giving so much attention to Kevin Durant or when Kevin Durant's off the floor, try to feature him a little bit more.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, I, it It felt like – it felt really timid that second half yeah. for for Seth, and I I don't know what it was, but I don't know if this was the big reason why. But in that third quarter, when the Nets were struggling offensively, he had two shots yep. blocked on consecutive possessions, and after that, it just looked like it totally took him out of his rhythm. Um, he became a ghost on offense. He had the the a huge missed three in that fourth quarter as well. Um, you know, like you said, you would like to see a little bit more actions with him. Uh, you know, I would love to see more two man games with him in uh. KD, uh, more just getting him coming around screens and things like that. But, you know, he, he played he played well in Toronto, so I can't and he's played well in his his, his brief stint with the Nets so far, so I can't really kill him too much. But the Nets definitely could have used a bigger performance from him in that second half.
2: He could have just used that 1-3 in the fourth quarter. I would have been happy. But that was a great point about the two shots being blocked because, you know, anybody who's played basketball – you think twice when you go up again, especially when you get blocked on jumpers. There's a difference between getting rejected at the rim by like a big dude that's just taller than you or can jump higher. But when and, you're getting And those weren't
1: those weren't great defenders. I think it was like I think one block was from Harrow and the other was from Caleb Martin. So it's not yeah. even like these guys are like all world defenders. They're just average guys.
2: Yeah, it just felt like they were, he thought maybe he would be open. He wasn't. I don't know. I just, like we said, kind of just an off night for him. Moving over to another new addition, Andre Drummond. Eight points, four or five from the field. Three rebounds, one assist, two turnovers, four fouls. Drummond really never got rhythm in this game, and I, I don't think Bam is probably the best matchup for him.
1: It's not the best matchup for him, but... Still, when you have that type of size and that height advantage, there's no reason why you should have only three rebounds in a game, especially when so the strange, well, especially when the other big man you're going up against is Dwayne Deadman, Right. Yes. Uh, but we've seen this from Drummond. I think this is probably one of the knocks on him where, yeah, he can have those 16, 17, 18 rebound nights and then he'll disappear and have a three rebound night. And you're like, yep. all right, well, how is that even possible? Especially when you play the amount of minutes that you do. And it's not like the Heat were just making everything on offense. You know, they only shot fifty-one percent from the from the field on offense. So, and their good I, shots were mostly in the second half. They missed a lot of shots in the first half. In the first half, yeah, yeah. So I, this is this is like like we said, like when we got uh, Drummond, acquired him in that trade. The good, in, you have to take the good and the bad, and sometimes the bad is just just a being a ghost on the boards, which is where you really need him most. Offensively, he's just going to clean up. You know, he got a few wraparound uh, dunks, uh, just drop-offs. But where you really need him is on the defensive end and being a also a rim protector as well. But he just wasn't that tonight.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think rebounding-wise, especially in this matchup, the Heat, you know, Bam's a good rebounder. But after that, not really any good rebounders on this team like that are playing in this matchup. You know, Dwayne Dedmon's okay, but... No reason for him not to be successful especially early on because bam was defending kd and they Mm had um a role player in the heat that i'm not even familiar with uh yerk seven yeah like he's yeah (laughs) so i'm pretty sure you know andre drummond should be able to body him and be able to get some extra boards it was just kind of like you said just one of those cold nights and a night that you really just couldn't afford it would have been nice to see him have like 16 boards and you know 10 points or something like that but it is what it is. Moving over to Goran Dragic, final new addition. Started the game hot and then cooled off. Nine points, four ten from the field, one of three from three, three rebounds, seven assists, one steal, two turnovers. What did you think of Dragic's game?
1: Uh, just another Taylor of two halves. You know, in the first half, he he was very, very good. He had a very nice um had a crafty finish where he got uh Dwayne Denwin. He spun, yep. basically, like, spun on an axis and scooped it in. Uh, you know, had it had a nice three from the corner as well, but Second half, he another one just went ghost. Uh, he looked like he was, he didn't understand what that zone was, which is confusing because of all players on the Nets that you would think would know about an Eric Spoelstra yep. zone, it would be, you know, Goran Drogic. Uh, his game was totally taken out. And then he arguably, I think, the biggest turning point in the game he had when he misses a, to, in my mind, a wide open layup, Yep, uh, which would have tied the game, he'd get the rebound, go down, Tyler Harrow fade away three from the corner, five-point swing. Instead of the Nets tying it up, the Nets end up being down, I think, 97-92. And from that point on, I think it was just more of an uphill battle because that was a dagger. Like, the Nets had the momentum. They had to stop. Transition bucket leading to, you know, on the other end, leads leads to a uh, heat transition bucket. So, you know, tough, tough night for Drogic, at least in the second half. Um, But... That's the positives you could take is what he did in the first half.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can see how a traditional point guard and someone who will push the pace will be beneficial to the Nets in certain situations. Like you said, that one move he had, that was just its kind of like almost vintage Dragovich. Like that's just something that he's always been really good at, stopping on a dime and just hitting you with that swirl. But uh, like you said, that missed layup, that was terrible. You know, I know he switched hands and that kind of threw him off a little bit, but you know, that's a shot you just got to hit in that situation. If not, like if you feel like you're going to miss the shot, just pass it out to somebody else. We've seen players do that. He he mentioned after the game in the presser, this is via uh, Alex Schiffer, uh, Spo tricked us with that zone. Well, shit, Dragic, you're supposed to know what Spoh's doing. You, you played for him for, you know, multiple seasons and a ton of games. So you would think that would have been beneficial to the Nets in that situation, but it wasn't. And he looked a little reluctant from three. One of three from three did knock one down, but something to just kind of keep an eye on. Moving on from him, Bruce Brown is another guy that kept up his good play. 21 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 3 of 4 from 3, 2 of 3 from the free-throw line, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 1 turnover, and was awesome defensively. He was like on glue on Duncan Robinson and even different points of Tyler Hero. Just really good stuff from Bruce Brown.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could argue he was the catalyst in both halves for the Nets. Uh, His energy was, was great. The floater was falling. Um, in that fourth quarter especially especially like who would think that Bruce Brown is gonna be the one that's leading a comeback charge for your team when you have Kevin Durant. But I mean, two huge threes that kept the Nets in the ballgame. And then even a huge block yeah. uh on the defensive end right after that to give the I think the Nets were down two at the time to give the Nets a chance um, you know, to take the lead or even tie it. So overall, great, great game from Bruce. He's definitely come on, you know, since the so since the trade deadline really. Um and even since his comments after the 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 home game on monday it was like oh this is inexcusable well his play has matched his words he's lived up yep. to his end of the bargain unfortunately some of his teammates haven't
2: yeah i wish all the nets could play with the same level of energy he plays with he's back to being that guy from last season arguably even better i mean like the fact that you just said bruce brown hit two clutch threes in the fourth quarter like <laughs> tell me you would have thought that would have been said this season like that's crazy and i mean there are big shots, and that's something hopefully moving forward that can be a bigger part of his game. One another thing Bruce has done a really good job of of like if he gets a step, he's going to attack the rim and get inside. And sometimes that's going to be a layup for him. And sometimes that's going to be, you know, a pass or an assist, setting somebody else from three. You really like the aggressiveness and the way that he's impacting the game right now. And he's back, like I said, playing that high-level defensive, just being physical and annoying. Like that's just a great way to take players out of their games. It's just tough when you know, you don't have any help on the backside. And also, I think uh, Bam definitely pushed off on that last possession where he got that layup. I mean, it was clear as day. Two hands extended fully, refs sitting right there. And the crazy thing is they called K—they uh, called KD for a similar foul earlier in the game on Caleb Martin. So, you know, let's kind of just keep it a little consistent in that situation. But I don't want to talk about the refs too much.
1: I'll talk about the refs <laughs> all I want. No, it's crazy. It's the second game. In a row, and probably the, the the 47th game this season where the refs have been against the Nets. I don't know what it is. The refs go into the games and like, oh, we got the Nets on the schedule. Time to screw them over. Yep. I mean, that that band push-off was so obvious. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of not blowing the whistle late in games. But when some things are just too obvious, you have to blow the whistle, right? Especially considering how the refs kind of shafted sc- the Nets in that Toronto game calling a yep. three-seconds call. Twice, like it, twice, right? And I get it. It's a different. It's a different officiating crew. I think it's JT Orr's crew tonight. Um, but still, I mean, the, the fact that Kevin Durant every time he rose up at the nail shooting on a small defender, and he's you can literally see it on the TV screen. He's getting hit on his wrist, yep. on his elbow, and they're not calling it. I I, just, I, don't, I don't I mean, Sarah even made a, a mention of it on his last free throw attempts in that fourth quarter. Uh, that Katie's been was barking at the refs a lot this game and rightfully so, because every yeah. single time he's rising up, he's getting fouled. Not getting called, but then on the other end, you're giving calls to Bam bio. you're giving calls to Max Strush, you're giving calls to Yurt Seven. Like it doesn't Tyler Hero sense. had ten free throws in this game. Ten free throws. It's Tyler Harrow. Like, come on. Like I get it. Like and Tyler Harrow has kind of get gotten like more respect from the refs over the pat like over the past year. But still, there's no reason why Tyler Harrow and Kevin Durant should have equal numbers of free throws in a game.
2: Yeah. Uh, There's it definitely was frustrating. Even on that one attempt where Katie got blocked, you could tell down low there was a ton of contact that they just didn't call. It's just, it's frustrating. I think that's another aspect that definitely is frustrating. You know, the free throws kind of balanced out. I remember first half it was like twenty one to five, finished twenty eight to twenty two. I think some of that was the Nets did a better job, but there was also just so many touch fouls. Uh, In that first half, just and that allowed the heat to stay in the game, you know, with those 21 free throws, I think they made like 17, maybe something like that, or 16. Like, that's the difference in terms of them keeping them in the game and not being a 20 point, you know, blowout at some point. So that that's frustrating. Also, the Nets got called for defensive three seconds in this game, and the heat did not. You know, I think that's another thing that just drives me nuts because I think defensive three seconds is pretty obvious and it happens a lot, but they just don't call it. So, like, if you're gonna call it, you call it all the time. I think that's that's what really frustrates me. And also, like moving picks, it's like you call them occasionally when you feel like it. They happen all the time. Bam sent about a million of them today. I'm not saying I want you to call all of them, but just keep it consistent.
1: I was gonna say because I remember when we were on uh, the pod for the Heat game. Um, after, well, it wasn't us; it was me and Jack, and. I made that point. I was like, Bam moves on his screens almost every yeah. time down the floor. And it's it's very subtle. Like, he's, he's yeah. done a good job of, like, kind of hiding it. It's very subtle, but you can you can see when when it's a replay. And the fact that he wasn't called for any of them this I think game, he got called once. Like, once, right? Yeah. But it's like you see at least three or four of them on those dribble handoffs. You're like, oh, so the rest aren't going to call it. But then you call Drummond on a little slight, you know. And sometimes I feel like these defenders are just, you know, Embellishing because especially he's such a, when it's big, a big guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like all right. If I if I just flail, it'll look like he hit stuck his hip out. When maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I mean, jeez, boo the refs, hate them. Where where were the refs that that did the uh, the Knicks uh, Sixers game from last Sunday? Where yeah. were those refs at? I want those refs. You know, I want seventy free throws in a game one day, especially for the stars because I think what Joel Embiid and James Harden that game shot over like forty themselves. I think, yeah, they combined for tw- 37 with Joel Embiid half 27 of them, which is yeah. nuts. Wish Katie got that whistle. But uh... like Katie, Katie goes, Katie could go like, like two weeks without seeing 27 free throws.
2: Yeah, it might be his like month total at that point. It? <laughs> it, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, moving on from him, Cam Thomas, not his best game. Six points, two of eight from the field. three from three, two of two from the free throw line, four rebounds, three assists, one block. One turnover. What do we think of Cam?
1: Yeah, it's poor, poor game for Cam standards. Now I think I think we've gotten to the point now where we can just we we can judge him on a on on a, on a better scale just because of what he's done over the past month and a half. I thought I still like the aggressiveness uh, he was getting to the line. The refs, I don't, don't want to keep bringing up the refs, but. The, the play where he gets the ball off a very, very quick inbounds or outlet pass from the Nets. He goes up, he gets fouled by Dwayne Dedman, and the rest don't give him free throws. I know the that Nets ended crazy. up scoring. Up, and I'm like, well, where else would he – what else would he be doing with the ball underneath the basket? Because there was no other net in the vicinity, like yeah. anywhere. Um, so he, he should have had two more free throw attempts. Uh, but even still, I like the aggressiveness. Uh, there were some shots that he normally takes from the midrange that just didn't go down tonight. Um, I even I I remember watching the game and he went baseline, he pump fake, dribbled once in, shot it, and I'm like, oh, that's cash. And it just yep. bounced out. And I'm like, well, damn, like you never see that from him. Uh so tough game for Cam, but it wasn't like he to me, at least uh offensively, it wasn't like he had a bad night. I just thought some shots that he normally makes just didn't go down.
2: Yeah, just a, I think it was more so a bad shooting night, just where his shot wasn't on. I think, honestly, there's a couple times where he made some veteran-type moves in this game, and I think that's just a real plus for him. Like you said, definitely should have got two free throws in that reverse layup attempt. Like, I don't know. He gathered. He was in the air. He was halfway through the move, so I don't know where we're at not giving him those free throws. Just kind of a rookie thing. But overall, I think good progress. He's faced a lot of good defenses. You know, even without their good players, he'd still play good defense, so... <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see how that kind of benefits him moving forward. But I guess getting to one of your favorite nets, uh, James Johnson, <laughs> three points, one to three from the field, oh a two from three, one of four from the free throw line, one rebound, one assist, one block, one turnover, and four fouls in 12 minutes. What was his plus minus, just
1: out of curiosity? Minus five. Yeah, it sound, it felt more like hundred. Yeah. Um, this guy, see you see what happens when I when I give him some 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 praise. This is what he does. This is he how goes he out and make...
2: parties the night before. It felt like <laughs> this. Is,
1: this was our. If I talked about this, that was the, the Toronto game, one of his best performances of the year. This was arguably one of his worst, which yep. is saying something because he has had some absolute stinkers in this season. My God, every time he was on the floor, it was a net negative. No pun intended. He had a three-second call called against him. He had a terrible uh step back three that was like an air ball in yep. the first. I think it was like the first half. Um a terrible offensive foul call where he just basically runs over one of the Miami heat players on an inbound for some, I don't know what reason like, it was. It was just bad. I could not, find you can't even look at him. Like you can find positives for like every person that played. You can find like, one thing they did positively. He did not do anything positive on the floor. Why he was on the floor for the nets. I don't know. Blake Griffin should have been in the game in that second half because he wasn't even helping on defense. Yeah. So like, I don't terrible know what Defensively. His, I don't know what his role was tonight. I really don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't understand either, especially because he didn't play well in the first half. Don't play him in the second half defensively. He just got cooked. Like I mentioned earlier, there was actions that included LaMarcus and in him. That's just a bucket. That was just a bucket for the Heat. And then he was trying to close out on guys. It felt like every time they knew that he was going to over pursue and they just pump faked him. I feel like Max Struce got probably two or three threes just because of James Johnson and his lack of discipline on the closeout. And then just like you said with the fouls and stuff, it's it was pitiful. Like there were really just no other way to put it and if you want defense just play clax at this point. Like it's not like you needed the ball handler and against a zone James Johnson's is not necessarily providing much especially when he can't even hit his free throws when he gets the line.
1: You know, we talked about how what what would Nash do with with Clax after his great performance against Toronto uh, mm-hmm. a few days ago. We said like, "Oh, is what's Clax's future?" Well, Jock Vaughn clearly didn't even know what to do with with Clax with either tonight. Um because I don't know how you can watch Claxton last game, then watch James Johnson this game and say, Hey, James Johnson is probably a better option than what I saw earlier the other day. And then earlier tonight, Um, I just, that that was, that was just bad, you know, going back to the, the the poor coaching. Like that was just one of those times where, yeah, it's, it's on the players to play well, but sometimes guys just don't have it that night. And it's up to the coach to see that. And it was clear as day to, you know, the thousands in attendance there and the millions watching on TV that James Johnson just was not a good basketball player.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you just want to see Nick Claxton play because he just provided that spark and energy, kind of similar to Bruce Brown. And like we said in the previous matchup against the Raptors, he showed life, and he looked like he could be an impact player, especially the way Clax has been attacking the boards. You know, two offensive boards tonight, three in total, finished with two points, one block, one turnover, 101 from the field, played alongside LaMarcus. And if you're going to play LaMarcus, you want to have a defensive plus out there, and Claxton could be that guy to cover up mistakes. And for some reason, they just didn't go to him. And I get it. There's some fear in the zone and Claxton not having a shot, but he also could have an impact on the boards when they're going to a zone in that situation. So, uh, it's just frustrating. And it's just, again, frustrating that at no point in this game do we see a small ball lineup. Like if there's a matchup that you can go with small ball, especially when you have arguably the most versatile superstar in the league and Kevin Durant, why not try it? I don't even care if you want to put, you know, play clacks at the five and that's not even small ball. If you want to go Katie at the five and play some different stuff, throw it out there. But we just didn't get that tonight. And it's just frustrating on so many different levels. I guess another positive, too, would be Patty Mills. It looked like he finally came back to life. 14 points, 5'8 from the field, four or five from three, uh, two rebounds and one assist. You know, nice to see Patty knock down some shots.
1: Yeah, you know that, uh, that viral video after Cam Newton's, like, first game back with the Panthers this season when he scores a touchdown yep. against the Cardinals and he's like, I'm back. Like, that's what it felt like. Uh, with Patty and you could just tell he's so much more comfortable coming off the bench yep. in the role he signed up to play. Um it just felt like he just had a, an extra bounce. They mentioned on the broadcast he this was I think he started like 57 games this season, yep. which was the most, I think is more than what he's started in his entire career or something like that. Um and we already we've talked about the minutes thing, but tonight was just great. You could see just he just had a little bit more oomph Behind his shots, um, even diving into the uh, the first row, yeah. saving a ball in that second half to, you know, keep the Nets uh, in it. I mean, he just did all the things that we, can't, we got used to seeing Patty do in November and January and even, you know, parts of December.
2: Yeah. And it's just like he still had to play 30 minutes tonight, too, which is, you know, you want to get that number down. You know, Seth played about 35. Gorin played about 28. Cam only played about 17. Maybe you boost up Cam a little bit, you know, give Patty a little bit of a rest. I get it. You wanted the spacing out there. But hopefully, you know, the Nets can find some pluses from this. And hopefully they're embarrassed from this game because. The talent in which they faced tonight—it should have been a win. In the way that they played for the first two quarters, it should have been a win. They didn't execute in that second half at all. They almost stole it late in the game, but just not enough. Anything else you want to touch on from this game, Justin, or you want to get rid of the pain?
1: I'm just, I'm just worried. You know, yeah. not, not the case that like, uh, like Kevin Durant or the stars or anything like that. I'm just worried that this team is going to have to overcome its own coaching staff in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know, and should put on, and this wasn't even like the best Eric Spolscher game. Like, well, I've seen, like we've seen Eric Spolscher put on some absolute masterclass performances, um, in the playoffs we've seen, obviously we just, I mean, just pretty
2: much played one card and the Nets yeah. never responded to that card and that card being zone defense.
1: He played a, he played a five of diamonds and that mm. was it. He didn't, even, he didn't even play a Jack he, or a, a, a queen. He just played a five of diamonds and the Nets folded. Um. I'm, I'm very concerned about what this team is going to do come playoff time. I don't know how many times you can just say, hey, KD, can you save us? Like tonight, tonight should not have been a KD, can you please save us type game, especially with the way they started. 16-point lead in the first half, 7-point um, lead at halftime. I believe this was – I wrote down in my notes, this was the first time the Nets had a lead of 10-plus points since February 14th. That win against the Kings. Yep. Uh, that, 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 that's awful. Like I don't know how – I don't know – like that, that should just tell you just how much – um you know, has been going wrong with this team. And it doesn't look like anything is really changing. Even when you put Katie there, because when Katie came back and the losses are still, are, are still happening.
2: Yeah. And it's like, Katie can really only do so much. He's not God, you know, he can go out there and score 31. He can help you defensively. But at the end of the day, other guys are going to have to make plays. He's only one of five players on the court, you know, in an ideal world you know Kyrie and Ben Simmons do change a lot they're two great players Kyrie you know top 15 guy Ben you know arguably you know top 25 top 30 guy and they can have a huge impact on the court but right now this is who they have and this is who they have to play with and they have to find ways to win games like in regardless of the plan or not You need to find momentum. You need to find some type of style and synergy for this team to be successful. If not, it's going to be a play-in knockout or a first round knockout. Like right now, there's nothing that gives me a ton of confidence other than the fact is they have three really, really talented players and a lot of shooters. But after that, like you said, the coaching staff just doesn't seem to be in tune with this roster. And they're just they don't seem to have an idea of what to do or a way to exploit their pluses. And yeah, we haven't seen them fully healthy yet, but at the same time. There was plenty of talent on tonight's team to win this game and to walk away with, like you said earlier, a double-digit win. It felt like this was being a game, yeah, maybe the Nets don't blow them out, but they kind of hold the lead by 10 the entire time. And that just wasn't the case. And I think that's disappointing on a lot of different levels, especially because, you know, the the excuse and the reasoning for the Nets' losses over the last 21 games has been the KD injury. And obviously it might be more than that at this point. And not to say that everything's – about to burn down but it's not a great spot and they need to start you know building the bricks back up to have something structured
1: for as veteran of a team as this is this just feels so not to say juvenile but it just doesn't feel like it right like you got guys like lamarcus you got guys like blake james johnson um patty mills you know, Gordon Drogic, you have this is a team. It's not like this is a young team like the Cavs. Like, if, the, if, we, if this was the Cavs and they were doing this, I'm like, all right, you can understand, right? It's a young team. They haven't really seen that much. This team is, this shouldn't happen to this team, even with Kevin Durant out, even with Kyrie out. This shouldn't happen. Where is the pride? Where is the heart? Like, this, I don't, I don't understand. Like, this just feels like a team that just has such a lax and nonchalant attitude about the regular season and like yeah maybe they do end up turning it up in, in in the postseason and, and we're just shouting in the wind for nothing about you know these 82 regular season games but until that happens this is all we have to go with and what we have to go with is a team that's at 500 right now with only about what 21 games left in the season and to even avoid the play they're gonna have to probably win or go like 15 and 4 over the yeah. next like remaining games, which. Honestly, to me, it just feels impossible at this point, even if you had Kyrie and Ben Simmons back healthy tomorrow. So
2: if you to, can't win tonight, then it's hard to really just like guarantee any type of win. And like, this is a win that was served to you on a silver platter.
1: Like it was you, they could, like, we talked, we literally were, were DMing about this earlier today. Like this was the game. Where it was like, it couldn't have been, it couldn't pl- have played out any perfectly, right? Their stars, they they came off a tough, tough loss in Milwaukee, Right. All their stars were playing thirty-five plus minutes, right? Their role play, all their big guys out. This was the game, just like we talked about with the with the, with the Toronto game when Fred VanVleet and OG Anunoby were out at home. You could steal that game, but but no, you end up getting blown up by thirty. And tonight, you blow a sixteen-point lead with Kevin Durant. At some point, reality has to set in. This, like, if there was ever a time to have a late season, like players only meeting or like somebody kick a chair or something like that, this is yeah. the game to do it right? Because you got to go next uh, on Sunday to Boston. Then you have to go to Philly. Yep. And God help you if if you end up being under 500 after that Philly game. Well, I know I, they have uh, Charlotte right before Philly as well. God help you if you're going into Charlotte under 500 or, or, or going into Philly under 500. Or you fall under
2: Charlotte in the standings because Charlotte's one game back of the Nets right now. So it's just
1: I don't know where it's you got from there. This was, this was one of those losses. Like, there's no excuse for this loss. Um, it, 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 it's gut check time for this team, and I don't know where that comes from. You know, hopefully with this, you know, the, the mandate and all that stuff, Kyrie's back. But even still, you shouldn't have needed Kyrie Irving for this game. You shouldn't have needed Ben Simmons. You shouldn't have even needed Kevin Durant. Um, these are just bad losses, and this is uh, – a true nightmare season. Like twelve and seventy was bad, but there was no expectations for that, right? All those. It was years, almost
2: enjoyable in a weird way.
1: Yeah. Right. Like it's like all right, lovable losers. Right. Even the year right like right before the two years before uh, two thousand nineteen, it was like all right. Well, this team it's rebuilding. It has no draft picks. Like these are just we know what we're gonna get. This season with expectations, this is awful. This team was in first place on December thirty first. They were twenty four and twelve, and. Now we're talking about the play in the like, It's just it's, it's it's, crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, they're just
2: uh, like you said, they need that players only meeting. They need some type of tenacity. They need something to just kind of spark them. Maybe it's the hope of Kyrie being on the return for the rest of the season. Maybe that could be the juice that they need. I'm not really sure, but <laughs> it's frustrating. It's probably the most frustrating season last year. I would call disappointing because of the injuries, the way it ended. But this year is frustrating on so many different levels from the injuries, from the James Harden stuff to the Kyrie mandate vaccine stuff to all of the guys, just so many guys underperforming. And also the coaching not being good, because last year the coaching was pretty good. It wasn't like noticeably bad in the way it lost you games or put you in any bad situations. Maybe that was some of the talent just like overpowering that. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people have underperformed this season. But Justin, any final thoughts we get out of here?
1: You know, I made I made this point in an article I wrote earlier this summer, or not earlier this summer, earlier this season. Um, you know, the the Cleveland Cavaliers, and when they won their championship, they fired David Blatt in like January. And I know we're we're way past that, but at the same yeah. time, I know this was like Kevin Durant's guy and things like that. But for the future, I I just don't know if Steve Nash is 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 the guy. And I'm not gonna I don't like to you know kick guy when he's down because he's out in COVID protocols right now. But see, I just don't. I don't know. I don't have the confidence that he can be the guy to lead this team, even as star-studded as it is, which is crazy to think that when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie, that you may not be able to lead them to the promised land.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that's going to be a big discussion point depending on how the season ends for the nets. And, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, Jock Vaughn might be that guy. I'm not saying, you know, one game sample size is that determining factor for me, but definitely doesn't lean me in the right direction. I think maybe you're looking for, of a real veteran coach that has championship experience experience to lead this team. But at the end of the day, we just wait for the next game and hope, <laughs> hope the nets bounce back. I mean, at this point it feels somewhat hopeless in the sense of like, you don't know if they don't win this one, then I don't know when I'm ever going to really feel confident about them winning games. So God bless <laughs> but, <laughs> Justin. I appreciate you hopping on and dealing with this game with me. Big thanks to everybody for listening check the buzz on all streaming platforms.